Hello, and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I am Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. This feels like it's happening a little bit too early because we just did this. We just did a podcast like 36-ish hours ago. What's the math on that? Uh, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe a little closer to... It was about 30, 36 hours about ago. About 36 hours? Okay. Um, that's what happens with Monday Night Games. It's a short week for the Colts, long week for the Cowboys. Uh, generally, I don't think that most fans, though, are real interested in the matchup anymore this season. Um, not unless the Colts beat some of these teams. I mean, obviously, the schedule is about to get harder uh, than it has been. Two of Jeff Saturday's first three games were against the Raiders and Steelers, two teams that are not going to the playoffs. And are, are the Steelers still below the Colts in the standings, or did they jump them? Uh, they're four and seven, so technically, technically they're below. Technically they're below. Uh, so two two teams that are below them in the standings, the, the loss of the Eagles. Uh, from here on out, they get Cowboys, who have been playing really well. Um, the Vikings, who have not, but are eight and three, I think. Uh, and it's on the road. And it's on the road. And then they have the Chargers will be fighting for a play. They'll be fighting for their playoff lives and have Justin Herbert. They have the Giants, who I think will probably still be in the in the hunt for the playoffs mm-hmm. before getting to finish up against the Texans. So schedule is about to get tighter. Um, hasn't been great to start out. They kind of look li- the same. Uh, maybe a simplified version of the offense, but essentially the same. And uh, yeah, that's that's where that's where the Colts season is. I think what we're going to do with this podcast is um, now that it feels like it's it's going to take a miracle for them to have any shot at doing um, being a part of the postseason picture. I think today would be a good day to go just through how we got here, all of the things that led us to this point with this season. Um, but first, uh, I know you like the mascots, even though we don't have video anymore. Do you I have do. a mascot? I do have a mascot. Uh, it was a little last-minute decision, but I brought an Xbox controller. Oh, nice. Um, you know, I like to do that once in a while in my free time. And uh, like a lot of football fans, sometimes I break out Madden, or sometimes I even dust off the old NCAA football, which is way back in 2014. I can't allow myself to play any of these video games. Why? I don't have the discipline okay. to stop. I used to struggle with that, but now I, for some reason, I've gotten a it's one thing I've aged decently well at, but I, it, it truly has to be in doses because I understand if I start on like a Saturday morning, it may go all day. Uh, but the, the reason I bring it up though is that like I, a lot of discussion this season, and we'll get into this about how they got here, was angst over the previous coaching staff or the previous coach, I should say, play calling, game management, and this idea that it was really easy and that. Uh, that they just needed somebody else in there to do it. And I think this – I've always joked that I think a lot of that goes back to how people play Madden and the way they manage games there. And certainly there is something to be said for it. I do think that if coaches played more Madden, they would understand some of the clock elements a little bit or they'd be thinking about it in a different way than maybe uh, than maybe they do when they're, they've got 18 million things going on during a game. But the great thing about playing Madden, I mean, outside of all the, all the basic – things about playing computers is that you can pause during the game and uh that's the big difference in play calling in the nfl is there's no pause and you're trying to you know you're in this mode of you're calling second and 17 to try and set up a third and manageable to try and set up a fourth and short which is the spot that the colts got into on monday night against the steelers where that's exactly how they've laid out why they got to that famous third down 
call and decision to run up to the line and sit there and hand off to Jonathan Taylor, and then it goes nowhere. Did not take the timeouts. And Jeff Saturday came out yesterday. Um, well, he came out after the game and said that, you know, he defended the way he did that, said it wasn't about the clock. And then he came back yesterday after sitting down and reviewing it and saying, you know, I wish I had taken a timeout. And he got to the point that I think, you know, I think a lot of coaches get to just with a little experience in having to be in that spot in the in the fire, which is the timeouts are not just to manage the clock. They're also to give your offense a break and a breather and set up the most critical plays in a game. And so in that moment, he, he kept saying it, and he still believes this, that the clock was not an issue. They didn't feel like they were going to run out of time because they had three timeouts, which means, you know, you think – it was about six seconds of play, and they could stop it after three of those. And there was, at the time, there was 50 seconds left. So, I mean, this offense needs a lot of plays to get the end zone. But their calculation was that they had enough. But the problem is that um, they, they're they're rushing up to the line. They're in hurry up, uh, meaning they have to keep out the personnel that they have on the field. They're limited in the number of formations that they can go to based on that personnel. But at that time, they were flipping uh, – flipping Paris Campbell from one side of the field to the other side of the field, try to make sure everyone's lined up, don't get a penalty that would bring it into third and eight, see just how close you are to the line because Matt Ryan slid. Is it a third and one? Is it a third and three? These are all the things that just go spinning through a head coach's mind while he's also on the headset talking to his offense coordinator, trying to get the play call. I think he just his explanation yesterday was he realized in that moment that there is an advantage to a timeout that's not just, uh, you know, just – keeping the clock from running out. It was make sure you are your players are in the absolute best state of mind and position to go out there and execute whatever that call is, even if it ended up being the same call that they ended up making, the handoff to Jonathan Taylor up the middle. And so like Jeff Saturday said, this is a learning experience for him. That's what we've you know, I've I've but I think both of us have always been saying with this is that this is so new and there are gonna be some bumps in the road. I know a lot of people were excited for the coaching change and and there's some, you know, and, and you may have some reason to be. There was definitely some kind of jolt they got uh, in the Raiders game, I think. But there are going to be moments like this that, that creep up, and it just goes to show how really difficult this is on a head coach and on a play caller. It's very different than Madden where you can pause all the time throughout a game and, and figure it out. Uh, but that was one moment where Jeff Saturday did have the option to pause because he had three timeouts and he wasn't saving them only to stop the clock and – uh, that's, I think, what he learned from that. Oh, yeah, I didn't bring it because it's on. List, we're listening. We're not. We're, you, everyone's listening. They're not watching anymore. But uh, my mascot is Christian Pulisic. <laughs> I'm just no. gonna. I'm just. I can't bring him anyway. He's in. He's in Cutter. But uh, uh, if if you're looking, if Colts fans are looking for something to feel good about, as a, from a sports fandom standpoint, uh, the U.S. making it through the group stage was pretty good. Uh, luckily for me, they were not the Colts were not recording yesterday uh, on the Zoom. Whenever uh, Pulisic's goal went through, which by the way, great, unbelievable goal, but unbelievable header from from Dest to get it in there. Uh, but I uh, there there was no one on camera. There was no one talking for the Colts. We were waiting for Parks Fraser at the time, and so uh, I was muted. But uh, I think you could see my celebration. Um, just fun. I know. I know. I sh- like. There's a part of me that knows I should be angry about. Greg Berhalter kind of parking the bus there at the end and all that stuff, but we didn't make the World Cup last time, and we're through the group stage, and we're playing the Netherlands on Saturday. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to be a fan here and just just be happy that that we're we're back in the mix and and 
got through the group stage like we were supposed to. That's that's mine. That's it's something to feel good about for a sports for a sports fan. Um, and it was an unbelievable goal uh, and run up to the goal. Yeah, I actually was not watching that live because I was you know trying to be very plugged in on the Zoom presser. They you need to put a TV yet. behind your computer <laughs> behind your computer and behind the desk in your wherever you do it at home. Yeah. That's, the way, my, the way my office is set up at home, there's an L-shaped desk, and there's a TV against the back wall, uh, and that way I can watch stuff while I work. Yeah, that's a good setup. It's uh, I just moved into a new place, so I've not put enough thought into that yet, but I was jealous once I realized what everyone else was getting to enjoy, but got to see some of the highlights, and it had to be fun, especially if you were a Colts fan who was uh, – probably not having a lot of fun this season, not a lot of fun on Monday night to at least turn around Tuesday morning. And um, I guess they got the Pacers who are playing above their head too. But I think everyone gets a lift from that kind of across the country, regardless of whether your team is living up to expectation or falling way short. Well, it, uh, some of it depends on, uh, some of it depends on like whether or not you care about the sport. Um, my first, my first boss was a big uh, soccer fan. And so uh, I got into it then and covered some of it and, uh, have great memories of the World Cup. I, I've been frustrated with it being where it is because uh, we've been working through most of the games uh, mm-hmm. so far. And I think the most fun place to be is a sports bar with a bunch of people who know the sport better than I do. Uh, Soccer is a sport that I never played. It wasn't available to me in Wisconsin. Um, and so I don't have the same relationship to it that I do with like baseball or football or basketball, which is all stuff I played all the way through high school. Um, but I, I like watching, and I, I understand. I understand enough of the the strategy and the defensive positioning now. Um, but I, I like going to a bar where there's a lot of people who know more than I do, so I can learn stuff. Um, and I haven't got a chance to do that this World Cup. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go about it. Because I'm kind of in a similar spot. I enjoy soccer and those kind of big games. I don't follow it a ton year round, but it is interesting because, like, I mean, we I grew up playing soccer, so I understand it on the most just a basic, basic level. But you start to realize, like, we cover football, so we get into the weeds on, on such nerdy levels. And then there's people who are like the soccer fandom is so intense. And for the people who are into it that I found is that it feels like that in the other extreme. And so it's always it is fun when you go into bars like that. I grew up in around uh, Columbus, Ohio, where they have the Columbus crew. And that is like the most niche team in the world because that's, you know, like in the pecking order of, of sports teams in Ohio, the crew are not even in the stratosphere of it. But when you get to the people who do follow the crew, it's like they know more than, than I think just about any, any football fan in that state knows about their team. So uh, it's always fun when you're like such a casual kind of observer like me to definitely go to the sports bar and, and – get taught a lot of new lessons about a sport i've i've been trying to i've been trying to find a premier league team that's mine but it's hard i don't have anything from when i was a kid Uh, i used to i used to watch fulham a lot because my favorite player of all time is clint dempsey and he was there for a long time but he's not there anymore Um, so i it's it's not the same as teams i've had the whole time uh, I think it's hard as I those teams play at such random times for us too i think to i think to just uh to bring it back to the Colts though the, you know one of the things is like when you have a team you end up I, this is a question I got in Ash Joel on Monday night was what's the point of watching this team anymore and the only answer I could come up with was because you just have your whole life and you're locked in and there's nothing you can do about it even if they're bad um, which I which I appreciate I appreciate that there's there's fans out there watching like that that's that's who we're writing for essentially um, 
and I appreciate you greatly because I am that sort of fan, not not necessarily in the NFL, but with uh, with other teams. So, um, yeah. But uh, I think we move it now into into how did we get here? Uh, where how did the Colts get to this point where they're four seven and one, essentially out of the playoff picture? The numbers we can't say that they're like we can say that they're out. Like I think both of us feel like they're out. Realistically, but, they're out. But we can't write that because mathematically, there's still the possibility that there's a way for them to get in. Um, and and the thing is, like we've said each time here, the people in this building can't begin to think that they're out because right. why else do they show up? Why do they why do they do their jobs? And they do these jobs from like seven in the morning till seven at night. So, yeah, if you're a if you're a player in this team, if you're a Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman or DeForest Buckner or any of those guys, I mean, they know they know how hard this road's going to be. Um, and it was I think someone said to Matt Ryan in the presser after the game, you know, like you know, it's time slipping away, and he said, "Oh, I'm well aware." <laughs> like. They, they know exactly what it says, but all they can do is try and come back and, and put their best effort out and it worked that way. So this is a situation where like if they were – they're going to be big underdogs. They're like 10.5-point underdogs in right. Dallas. If they actually were to go down there and win that game, as improbable as that feels, in their perspective, they would have to use that as like the launching point. Now mm-hmm. the likelihood that they would then well, win every if, other game is if not they, high. If they ran the table, got to 9-7-1 and – and I mean, you'd, you'd still you still need a couple of teams to fall off in the AFC, but maybe that happens with teams playing each other, and and so many AFC you'd beat the Chargers along the so way. So many, yeah, you'd have beaten the Chargers, which would hurt them. You, uh, uh, all the AFC East teams are in this mix, and so maybe them playing each other knocks them off. I don't know where all their schedules are. Like there, I'm, there's there's a, a way theoretically to the playoffs. I mean, realistically though, with what we've seen from this team, what we've seen from this offense, just just the slimmest of chances i haven't even looked at the new york times i assume it's like less than one um yeah and the biggest reason to me is is to even take i mean this team they scored 17 points against the steelers and we were joking that like well they hit their limit they're not going to score in this last drive because that's kind of how predictable they are they've had one game with more than 20 points and they're almost always in that teens range so the teams are going to go up against the offenses they're going to go up against in the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, the uh, in CD Lamb, the the Vikings with uh, you know Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, and then the Chargers with Justin Herbert. Like to score at the level to beat those teams seems very unlikely. Now they did have one game where they did that against the Chiefs, and that's the best offense in football. But they have to do it every game now, and to try to beat those teams with twenty points is asking a lot. So something would have to dramatically change with the offense that has not been there really at all for 12 games outside of, I guess you could say, one game against the, the Jaguars when they had that kind of nifty hurry-up offense and put up 34, but that that's not the type of team they're playing either. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of what we let off with at the beginning, you know, how did we get here? I think the first place starts, and I'll just run through this quick because we've, we've discussed this a bunch. The first place starts – for me, all the way back in um, the January, February of 2021, they don't talk Philip Rivers into coming back, which would have allowed them to draft a quarterback. That leads them to Carson Wentz. How does that affect this season? I think the biggest thing that affects this season is that the Wentz, Wentz became a flashpoint for Jim Irsay in a way that destabilized everything. Um, it destabilized Frank Reich's cachet with the owner, um, it destabilized the team because of the collapse last year at the end. Uh, all of that that happened right there 
is is the start of all this because that's that's before that those the first three years of the Reich Ballard partnership you felt like you know what they were doing they were outperforming expectations um, they'd played better than everybody had expected and everything seemed like it was headed in a very stable direction that this though that those decisions um, and missed opportunities and stuff like that and the ultimate decision to bring in Wentz is I think where the destabilization begins yeah no doubt and it the destabilization and really the angst of Jim Irsay. I mean, I I had just gotten here just before that, but you think about when I like middle of last season, he was out there talking after they beat the Cardinals and it's Christmas and they're winning these primetime games. He loves the primetime games. He was on top of the world after they beat the Patriots, and then uh, the if season they get in the playoffs apart. last year. They, we might not be here. Yeah, the season falls apart. The way it fell apart. The poor quarterback play. The all the things that led up to why Ursay had a problem with Wentz and how it played out led to this very angsty owner that kept putting those videos out, you know, before he got on his plane about, you know, how we're going to, you know, we've lost our, we've lost our way. We, you know, need to change the DNA, you know, be all chips in if you're going to come to the building. And like, we thought that that was at the moment we interpreted that as, you know, it's angst to Wentz. And once I got Matt Ryan, they were, they were moving on from that, but it goes to show that he got in this mode of sort of like quick trigger, and we that we have seen that all season long. Where they were three three and one, and yeah, bad offense, but they were three three and one, and with a regime that tends to like they get a new quarterback every year, start slow, and then they build and they come back out of slow starts. This year he wasn't waiting on that, you know, benches Matt Ryan, and then that just. You know, spiraled into everything else. People might not like this, but I think that if this team had any chance of getting back in the playoffs, it's, it's that's where everything went wrong. Like the the real play, I, I'm with Tony Dungy. The real play was stick with Ryan, um, stick with Reich, and see if you they can turn it around the way they have in the past. That's 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 yep. where I think I think that's the only chance. Now, do I think it would have worked? No, because of the way they've protected and the way they've played since then. But that was the chance. Um, that was the opportunity there. I know Ryan was hurt. Um, we never got a straight answer, I don't think, on whether or not he could have played. He sort of hinted that he might have tried to fight through it. Um, but, like, to me, if if there was going to be a chance, that was the chance. That was the opportunity. That was the thing. And instead what they did and, – and, and, I like, I understand. There's a lot of fans that are very happy that, that it went the way it did because it's, re- it's probably going to lead to a reset, and I understand that. Totally get – wanting to change and go to a, go in a different direction. Um, I'm speaking from the, the Colts perspective of wanting to make the playoffs. Like if they were trying to do that, that's where it stayed. And what they did instead gave everybody who wants a reset <laughs> what they needed because it, it, it led to, they, they've lost five of their last six. Is that right? Yeah. Five of their last six. Um, and, and that's, that's helped like in terms of if you, if you want them to be, to be resetting everything, like, everything that's happened since that since that uh, second Titans game gave you what you wanted. Yeah, I think um, you go back to that moment. I don't – I'm guessing Matt Ryan would not have been healthy enough to play or they would have – if they were really trying to preserve and really go for it this season, they may have held him out. But I'm pretty confident in saying that the choice, if it was up to Frank Reich, would have been Nick Foles because he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles as his backup. And I think it would have been a very natural, smooth – enough transition to the locker room of saying hey Matt Ryan's hurt it's unfortunate he's going to sit for a week maybe two weeks Nick Foles starts and I think they beat the commanders they don't change the offense he they don't change the offense and look again they may 
be in the same spot. Or maybe they just have one more win, but we're saying it's a bad team. Culturally, though, they messed up a lot of things. They, they messed up the progression of certain players, like Alec Pierce was really coming on at that point, and he's not really had that opportunity. I think Michael Pittman, he's he's been very up and down because they, they've just they've tinkered with the emotions of a lot of players here, and he was one of them. Um, I think there's another potential fix early season like I said which was a coaching change in the offensive line maybe there could have been a little bit more than that which is like maybe they could have pulled off a trade for a right guard it was just I'm just throwing things out there very early in the season it was clear that everything we thought about this offensive line was not right and it wasn't going to be good and it's still it's a little better than it was with Jeff Saturday here and some of the personal changes. It's not It's not good enough. It doesn't win in crunch time. And so maybe that was always going to sink them. I think they could have tried a few things. But even if this – I understand if you're a fan and you wanted ultimately like a regime reset, like replace Reich and Ballard, you just you, – you think that's going to be the fix. I understand the way it's gone will lead – is likely – well, it already led to half that. But I still think for the health of the franchise, the – best move would have been to you know let that play out maybe you finish nine seven and one uh maybe you get in or you or you don't but good franchises then find their moment to make the move for the quarterback uh, where they have an extra day two pick because the Carson Wentz trade um you've got Matt Ryan in a good state you've got this franchise culture still in a pretty good state where they feel like oh you know we have an aging quarterback but it's time to kind of find the next guy there's just a lot of disarray out there and right now um, you may get, you, you know, they may have gotten what they want in terms of of Reich being gone, but they're at risk of, you know, what they're going to try and bring in and and who wants to necessarily be here next year. Those are a lot of questions they have to answer. Um, another, you hit another flashpoint there. And we're we're kind of going out of order, so I apologize for that, but it's still important to hit all of the points. I think ultimately, the the biggest culprit for this season is the offensive line, and so that brings us that takes us back to March. Um, they, they re-signed Matt Pryor for $5 million. He's really their only option at left tackle. Um, then they go to they go to Ryman. Uh, they draft Ryman. That, that I think, was, was a bonus for them, um, but with Pryor being the only guy. And then the other thing is no re-signing of Chris Reed, no bringing in of any other veteran guard. Um, that and, then, and that led to what's happened now with the offensive line, where they've struggled mightily. And so, and so that's that's the biggest issue is that you've got the you, the offensive line is what sunk this season, and March is when March and April was the time to fix it. Yeah, and if we're just talking flashpoints, I think even the year before that, not signing Charles Leno and signing Eric Fisher to be the left tackle is is the biggest one to me because this left tackle situation was hard to do anything about this past off season, but I think the fix was the year before that. Um, but but yeah, I think. Just going based on this year, they right guards the one where like they had chance, they had opportunities. You could always find right guards for agency draft. There were options to get guys who are more natural. They don't that cost position. very much either. They don't, and guys who are just natural fits. I mean, it's Danny Pinter. Just he's a center. I mean, that's what's come out. You and you just wish from the Colts' perspective that they had realized that. Um, they'd seen him in practice all the time. That that was the real thing. Is they just misevaluated what these guys even were regardless of how good they were at it what what their position even was because Danny Pinter's a center playing right guard and that's Pat a good priors an interior lineman playing left tackle yeah and that's a good that point. again and it goes back to me to the faith that they put in the offensive line coaches that they had at the time and just kind of buying their valuations and, and 
building with interior, you know, internal options rather than going out and getting getting them other fixes. Um, I don't think. I think one of the other ones people say is they went out and got Matt Ryan this year. I don't actually think that that one is a huge flashpoint on it because I don't know who else was available at the time. I mean, James, the other one was Jimmy Garoppolo. Jameis Winston. Garoppolo has played well, but I don't know if he – But, but he's again, playing behind San Francisco's right, line. Totally different environment. And he yeah, would, yeah, yeah. he'd probably be hurt here too. He was um, hurt at the time. Yeah. And they got Matt Ryan hurt, so he probably – it probably goes the same Garoppolo way. Garoppolo is the only one playing really, really well. Winston has been hurt in New Orleans. He was another option for this team. Um, Marcus Mariota is just fine-ish, like kind of like back-end level type play. Like borderline starter, borderline top backup. Um, who else was in there? Well, there's a guy who got traded that fans wanted named Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Uh, I don't think that would have fixed it. <laughs> in fact, they, if, for the long term, they were lucky to not make that move probably. I, I think if you're a Broncos fan, you're actually in a worse spot right now oh, yeah. than, than if, you're in a Colts, if you're a Colts fan. You've been, you've been bad longer. Um, you've been you've, – you've been, You've been on the fringe of the or the outside of the playoff list, like that's that's another thing where like, uh, but they they already have a new coach, and they have a new quarterback, and that quarterback is uh, signed and whatever for ever to like twenty twenty six. Um, I think it's actually worse if you're in Denver. Yeah, no doubt. So it's sometimes it's the move you don't make that's okay. So that was one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's quarterback was again and that's where really i think it was the two decisions in the 2021 spring when they were coming off of an 11 and 5 season and everything felt pretty good for this regime uh, maybe they could was, have gone harder after matt stafford maybe yeah i don't know if they beat out the yeah. rams i don't it's hard for me to see it's just honestly i'll just say it, it's hard for me to see chris ballard beating out less need in a in a battle of who can give up more and the thing with Stafford Les, is, Les it, Snead is a go yeah, get, I don't think they were go going get to. what he wants guy. The thing with Stafford is it that would have made an impact last year. I think they get to the playoffs, maybe they make a run. But this year the Rams this are year, having just as much trouble as the, maybe Stafford more trouble than the Colts are. Struggled and got hurt behind an offensive line that's not performing. That sounds yeah. kind of familiar to what's going on here. Yeah. So unless that move would have, they don't care though because the they only have other Lombardi. the only other reason is that if they had gotten Stafford under this idea of. We're gonna like go all in, all in right now, and that led them to get other changes in the offensive line. Maybe that, maybe that spills over, but I have a feeling that that's not what would have happened. Right, and the Rams are having a bad season, but honestly, if if I was a Rams fan, I'd be like, I don't really care. Uh, yeah, we got a Lombardi last they got year. Their title. That's all that matters. And I think most Colts fans, I think most rational Colts fans, would be on that on that train too. Like the high of the Super Bowl. Would, would matter. Now, whether or not Stafford would have gotten the Colts there, that's a, a completely different issue. And whether or not the Colts could have even beaten out the Rams. Because like I said, if, if you're looking at the track record of the two GMs, um, Les Snead makes sure he gets what he wants. He doesn't care about the cost. Uh, he likes to say F them picks. Yep. And he has a Chris track Ballard, record. Chris Ballard doesn't do that. He doesn't. Chris Ballard is obsessed with value and has, it has to be exactly the value he wants for it. And even if they had told Stafford they'd do it differently, I mean, if you're him, you're going to go with the track record. The Rams have proven it. They've done it. And the Colts are telling you, yeah, we'll do it now. I do think there was a world, (laughs) it's painful to think about, where if they had actually won that bidding war with that argument and followed through where they get Stafford, they sign someone like Marvin Jones. um, You know, the AFC was very winnable last year when the Bengals went 
you know, won 10 games, and then all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. And then they're facing the Rams team that had Stafford. So you could certainly play that out and see it be a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I'm ultimately this year I think is in the same spot as if they had – even if they had tried that. The one – the bigger flashpoint for there is imagining a second-year Justin Fields who took the baton from Phillip Rivers and what they could look like now. Um, that's that's the one I think is going to – haunt them longer flashpoints in the season these these i think we can kind of popcorn through pretty fast first one for me stop me if i stop me if i get to one or if, there, if there's one in the middle of these that that sticks out to you the first one for me rodrigo blankenship misses the game-winning kick against houston uh in yep. the opener just that changes everything if that's a win and not a tie just does um because uh, I mean, you could lose to Jacksonville. People are still mad the next week, but you're one and one. You're not oh one and one. Uh, the the first Tennessee game, the Taylor fumble mm-hmm. on the twenty, um, and really all of the turnovers in that game because that was a game that the Colts actually the Colts offense put up a ton of passing yards in that game. They they really carved the Titans up and and should have scored a lot more. And the turnovers in that game cost them. So any of the turnovers in that Tennessee game. Um, the turnovers in the next Tennessee game was my next spot. The interception, the pick six, is the is where everything turned. I think because that was where it was like, okay, we have to get rid of Ryan. And I know, I know, it's been said that they were thinking about going to Ellinger after the Denver game. But if that play doesn't happen, you know, that was a game that the defense held the Titans at what twelve points offensively. Twelve. It was like nineteen to ten, and the seven of them were on yeah. on the pick six. So you you flip that score. That pick six doesn't happen. They beat the Titans, completely different situation. Um, so the minor little flashpoint in there is the uh, face mask on Naheem Hines that doesn't get called. It yeah. has them yeah. arguing it. They rush to the line. They throw Matt Ryan throws probably the worst pick six of his life. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't really think that would have actually changed it, but it certainly in the moment was like, really? And then all of a sudden he's benched. He's hurt. Well, he probably would have gotten hurt behind that line. I don't know if that play would have changed it, but – Maybe they if they win that game though, and then he's hurt, and if they don't react the way they do for another loss to the Titans, and they say, okay, he's hurt, let's go to Nick Foles because he's the backup. And at that point, they're what they'd be uh, four two and one. Go to Nick Foles um, against know, the Commanders. Against Commanders, like it it does have an effect. If 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 Foles, <laughs> I could be really mean here. If say Foles say Foles beats Washington, and uh, and then uh, because of that, Heineke doesn't have the same resume, and you go back to Carson Wentz, and the Colts get to keep their second-round pick. That's the really <laughs> that's the really mean one. Oh boy, that's the really mean what-if scenario. Um, the Patriots. But the whole game. thing is, I mean, really, what spun or say it, losing the Titans has just yep. taken a toll on him. So yeah, if yeah. they had found a way to win that, I just don't. Yep, that's why that's that why two of the flashpoint games for me were both Titans games because they had chances to win both of those games. And essentially turned them over. That's like there's other reasons they lost those games, or whatever. But the, the turnovers were the biggest reason, and that's what the kind of the game the Titans play anyway. They just they don't play great football. They just play until you make a mistake. Yep. Um, and so the Colts doing that led to all this. Uh, and then obviously, I think the 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 benching and the firing of Frank Reich, just like a feeling of instability. I mean, I will say this, the Colts locker room has said a lot of good things about what's happened since then. Um, they said all the right things, but it's, it's impossible. I think to, 
and you've mentioned this a lot, um, this team was all in on Matt Ryan. That was the plan. That was who they that was who they were starting. It's just it's destabilizing when the quarter like everyone talks about how important it is for the team to believe in the quarterback. They they do all the time. It's one of the reasons that Wentz isn't here. Um and then they benched Matt Ryan after seven games, the guy that they were all in on, and said it wasn't going to happen again, you know, which was an RSA decision. Mm-hmm. Like, that destabilizes everything. You fire Reich, who's been the coach here for a while and was still very well loved by his players, very different than a lot of coach firings. Um, I don't know that that's – like, Jeff Saturday's done a good job, I think, of winning their trust a little bit, but it's still destabilizing. It still changes everything. The offensive staff is still under understaffed. The, that's kind of all of the things. Are, are we missing anything in this timeline of of things that went bad leading to this season and, and what seems like complete franchise I mean, I feel overhaul? like the one loss we didn't talk about was in Jacksonville. But, you know, they they do that there. They go to Jacksonville, they lose. They didn't right. have two receivers. I right. mean, if they were in the scenario we talk about with the, the Titans, if they found a way to win that game and they get to 5-2-1, and one, I mean – yeah, it's you look back and you're like, man, you played like crap in Jacksonville, but well, then it then it comes off like the 2020 season where it's like I can't believe I can't believe we lost in Jacksonville, but the rest of this, but we made up for it the rest of the season and put ourselves in a position like it's just different, you know. We we the, you lay an egg, but it's 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 an egg that you, but you have more eggs in the basket if if they do that. Whereas, it, in the context of everything else that's happened, that game now feels like, like, I mean, I think it ratcheted up the the heat. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like fourth or fifth on the list of losses for me. And to bring up a very minor one um, is that one of the weird storylines early in the season was the idea that they were starting Brandon face on and they weren't playing Isaiah Rogers senior at all. And that was weird. That bit itself in one game more than others that I noticed was the, that Titans game first Titans loss at home. Um, Just was not the game for Brandon face on. So that helped Derek play Henry into why they down. fell behind yeah. um and they've it's righted itself on on two levels is that i mean isaiah's starting and playing a lot now and face playing better now that he's kind of out of what was a rut at that time he was always better than how he was playing in that moment but it was this 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 swirl of playing too much and being blamed for you know plays that were not going his way that weren't weren't very good so i don't know that that could have given them a better chance to beat you know the titans and they got it's like they got to this elite defense by midseason i mean it was pretty good in the start and then it got like once they made that fix it was they really didn't have any weaknesses but by the time that was really coming together like i really felt it against the uh patriots like they really held in there but didn't have a chance um it just was like too little too late that you got elite defense or really good defense but you're three five and one you're firing your head coach and quarterback instability and all of that so it was hard to rein it back in and now we're at a point now where i think and we'll, we'll get into this i think next week this podcast the midweek podcast um is the bye week next week yep <sighs> it's gonna be wonderful uh, maybe maybe there's not been a lot of downtime in this cold season yeah. I I have I have by question mark in my head right now. <laughs> is it a bye week for me or not? Um, but I think next week with, with this midweek podcast, I think the smart thing to do would be like that'll be the midpoint of the the Jeff Saturday um, interim stint. That'll be four games will be done out of eight. We'll have a chance to look back on the decisions he's made, how they've worked, how they haven't worked. I think that's what we'll do next week. Um, there's there's a lot of future questions that that we can get into. We haven't been doing it because. 
uh, we're still going to be here in January and February and March and April. <laughs> we're going to have enough to talk about. And, and all of that stuff is going to be happening as we go there. But it, it felt like the loss of the Steelers, 4-7-1, and one, coming up against four playoff contenders, did, this is a good time to just look at all of the different things that have happened. Shaq Leonard would be another flashpoint, yeah. just like not having his turnover to turn his turnover stuff to turn around games. This, this is another minor one. Like anything with the defense is minor compared to what's happened on offense. Um, Jonathan Taylor's injury is another minor one. Um, yeah. Well, I, another. I don't know if it's minor. Medium is the. Uh, I think about the the Jalen Hurts draw play to lose that game. If they had stood up in that moment, gotten the stop and won, and they're two and zero against Jeff Saturday. I don't know, maybe that builds a little bit of enough of momentum to come out not as flat against the Steelers. And all of a sudden, if you're 3-0 against Jeff, under Jeff Saturday, I don't know. Yeah, then who knows? Then then mm-hmm. at least we're not talking in the way we're talking now, which is it's probably over, at least mathematically well, if, if right in If it. that's true, then you're 6-5-1, and one, yeah. and you're legitimately in the playoff race. Yep. Whereas, like, I saw people joking about this. Zach Hicks is the one I saw most joking about it. But, like, ESPN's graphic apparently on Monday night said, like, in the hunt and the Colts were in there. And it <laughs> just didn't really like, – <laughs> um, I'm trying to come up with a uh, hunting analogy, but I don't do it. So um, it's almost like it's almost like if they're in the hunt that there's all these other teams pursuing uh, their prey in one field and the Colts are, like, three fields over <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure yeah, out how it's to get like back, a, trying to figure out how to get back to that field. It's like if coyotes chasing its shot. prey, it's like they're they're like a squirrel trying to beat out the coyotes. There's there's like there's like there's like a bunch of lions in a pack chasing one gazelle and the colts are uh across the river <laughs> looking at it, looking at it thinking, how could I get over there? Is there a way I can get over there? Or it's like about yeah, it's a bunch of coyotes chasing a gazelle and the and the colts are like running on like one leg. <laughs> Just hopping along, like I hope if everyone else crashes and burns, we might catch up. But uh, that's kind of where it is. Um, which again, I know there's a lot of Colts fans who are happy about that. They they want the chance to quarterback. Um, I know it looks bleak right now with the draft picks scenario, but as other people have pointed out, some of the teams that are um, also have losing records are going to play each other, which uh, allows some of them to get wins and move over the Colts. Um, so the draft pick stuff, that's if, if if that's what you want, that's the thing to watch. Like you're cheering against the Colts the rest of the season. Yep. For the Colts Cup Two podcast. Makes our job a little hard to write for fans who are now cheering for the opposite <laughs> of what we gotta ask players yeah. about. Yeah. So uh for the Colts Cover Two podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. We'll be back uh in Dallas. Um Arlington technically. Uh we'll be back from Arlington after whatever happens in that game. Uh, don't have much of a preview other than to say Micah Parsons is terrifying and should be even more terrifying considering all of the problems this offensive line has had, both with blocking good rushers one-on-one and with identifying rushers. Kind of like the yeah. worst possible scenario for them. Yeah, and going up against an offense that they have to try and keep pace with, which is really turning it on right now that Dak Prescott's healthy and Zeke Elliott's back. And, yeah, it's not, not a great matchup. We'll see what happens. That's it for the podcast for this week.